Welcome to Nerds of the Roundtable, a podcast on a quest for quality pop culture. I'm Jamie. And I'm Dwayne. And I'm Sammy. And on this episode, we are continuing Jack Black Month. Yeah. And this is my first pick of Jack Black Month, and it is the world-renowned classic, Nacho Libre. <laughs> so, we all don't know how world-renowned or classic it is, but it is Nacho Libre. <laughs> Uh, Nickelodeon Productions from 2006. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, co-written and directed by the uh, writer and director of Napoleon Dynamite. Yes. Oh, and I think it shows. Yep. <laughs> what gave it away? Hey, have you guys Sing seen Masterminds? <laughs> no. No, have not. Uh, that's another uh, Hess classic. Okay. Okay. We want to go there. all right well before we dig into the uh the epic brilliance of nacho libre i think we should keep it 100 it's time to keep it 100 100 100 100 you're leading us off i am and um (laughs) it's gonna be interesting okay so i am going to be pitching this week Take shelter. And yes, I'm I'm not on the Wayback Machine time, uh, Wayback Machine this week. Um, so Take Shelter was directed by Jeff Nichols, um, known to us on the podcast as the director of Midnight Special. And once again, of course, it's a Jeff Nichols movie, so Michael Shannon is the star of it. Uh, and then so, okay, Sammy, here's how I get you to watch this movie. Jessica Chastain is in the movie as well. Oh, okay. He's the co-lead. All right, so you're in now. Um, but, uh, so it, it's another one of those, um, sort of Jeff Nichols, you know, emotional movies, but also with a little bit of like emotional, uh, it goes beyond the emotion. It's got some thematic depth to it as well. And there's some, some spiritual stuff going on as well. But the, so it starts off with Michael Shannon, um, playing a husband and father who has a dream about a storm coming and it's a weird storm. There's weird stuff in the water and like stuff happens with his dog. And then like, he keeps having more dreams and he's, he's getting freaked out about it. And then they start happening when he's awake. He starts seeing things and hearing things other people aren't seeing. And it's a Jeff Nichols movie. So, of course, you know, dramatic things happen. And but it's a sort of a it's a thoughtful way. To, he, he had, you know, sort of plays with uh, mental health issues, um, family dynamics, uh, a lot of that kind of stuff. But also the ending is very interesting because it's a Jeff Nichols movie. Um, and also it's a Jeff Nichols movie. So I'm not quite sure what it's about. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think every viewer of a Jeff Nichols movie has their own interpretation, but it's a it's a very gripping movie and it's incredibly well acted. So yeah, I'm I'm gonna showcase Take Shelter. All right. I just wonder Please, how many of our listeners will know what the Wayback Machine is. That's what I'm <laughs> starting to run through my head. <laughs> well, uh, but, I'm, I'm glad you've come out of the the 70s and he's at least for the PC uh, aspect of things. <laughs> but yeah, the uh, I, I missed hearing about a classic classic movie, but I've heard great great things about that that, that Jeff Nichols uh, exploration there. And of course, um, you put Michael Shannon in anything, and I'm I'm going to be a fan. It's a it's a it's a different Michael Shannon performance than you get in usually as most of us you know <laughs> Jeff Nichols movies, but it's 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 another just masterclass. I mean he is he is so good, and uh, Jessica Chastain's playing a different role than I think I, I've seen her play, and she was she was great as well. Cool, cool, cool. 
Well, I'm up next on the, the Keeping It 100, and I'm going to go back a little bit further than, than Jamie's uh, Give Me Shelter, but not quite as far back. But maybe if you think about this, it's going to be a Robert Louis Stevenson book that's been adapted a couple times. In 1990, Charlton Heston and Turner Movies got together and adapted Treasure Island. Uh, from the Robert Louis Stevens classic back when the house, when the ships sailed the high seas. Now this, you have a ton of great, great British actors. Sammy, if you want to get your doctor who reference out, we have Charlton Heston, Julian Glover, Oliver Reed, Christopher Lee, Richard Johnson, Clive Wood, James Cosmo, Pete Postlewaite, and a very young, but not quite as young as the Steven Spielberg flick Empire of the Sun, Christian Bale, playing young Jim Hawkins. Uh, it's available on Prime. You would have to purchase it. It's a $10 purchase or like a 2 or $3 rental. I highly, highly recommend it. It's a, a ton of fun. Uh, they actually got a, a legitimate ship for the Española and, and had, I mean... Charlton Heston as Long John Silver. I mean, being the only non-British person on cast, I believe. <laughs> but uh, it's it's really, really good. I, I love revisiting it from time to time. Oh, yeah. And by the way, the soundtrack is by the Chieftains, if anyone is Ooh. aware. Okay. Chieftains. If not, look them up. Well, I guess on the upside, though, Julian Glover is able to use a uh, British accent. We know his American accent stinks. <laughs> so if you remember from... Uh, from Indy, so, <laughs> at least he gets to use the American egg or the, the British. So that's a good thing for him. <laughs> I remember seeing this, but I have almost no memory of it. I mean, it's yeah. one, another one of those Gandalf and Moria moments. I have no, yeah, I have no memory it, of this place. It was one of those things. <laughs> I, I think, I think a TBS, uh, you know, said the Ted Turner, uh, network, I think they aired it two or three times and it just kind of disappeared. And, and it was in that era where you you didn't have a lot of you know video to home. DVD was still kind of a, a young thing, and it, I think it just kind of got lost in the mix. But uh, it's it's a ton of fun, really really well done, really accurate to the story. Uh, you have um, all of those great colorful characters, and you know Christopher Lee playing Blind Pew, Julian Glover playing Doctor Livesey. Richard Johnson, Squire Trelawney, uh, Oliver Reed is Billy Bones. I mean, yeah. Very nice. All right, gentlemen. So I guess that leaves me to finish up our Keep It at 100. So let's start the timer. Um, I think since I've been doing this show, almost every DC animated feature has made my Keep It at 100. Um, and with the release of Batman The Long Halloween Part 2, we have another entry. But this time, it's the animated short that gets the nod over the main feature. That's because my favorite Azure Avenger is given the animated showcase treatment, the Silver Age Blue Beetle. So imagine 
Ted Core Blue Beetle gets the same treatment as Ditko's other 60s amazing sensation. This thing is totally based off the 67 Spider-Man cartoon series. Even with the coloring errors that flip from scene to scene and everything. It's so great. Uh, Ted Core Blue Beetle is voiced by Clone Wars alumni Matt Lanter, which, yeah. which immediately you recognize his voice. Um, I'm glad there weren't small children because he would have maybe lightsabered them. But um, not only do we get Beetle, though, but we get other of Charlton's lineup. The question, Captain Adam, not Shade. My little geeky heart sword when Blue Beetle even refers to them all as Charlton action heroes. So they had me at Blue Beetle versus the Squids, but the addition of the other Charlton Pantheon made this a shoe in for this week's Keeping It 100. Awesome. <laughs> hey, anytime I throw some blue beetle love, I'm doing it. So <laughs> I love when they re- redo something or update something and they decide to keep the errors, you know, the errors mm-hmm. from the from the old thing. It's like it's like the tape PS, you know, trying to work into CDs or LPs and stuff. Yeah, because you know, like a lot of sixties and seventies cartoons, the coloring would the color would invert because you'd have different colorists working on it, and they obviously did did it on purpose for this. But it was kind of fun to see that and to pick up the coloring switches that would happen. But it was fun. Awesome, awesome, Scott's ready to throw out some uh, thoughts and grades at this film. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm not gonna lie to you. I'm a little nervous. Y'all, y'all kind of. Shook me a little bit the way you were talking about this earlier. <laughs> well, in our, in our pre-show discussion, uh, you know, Nacho Libre it is what it is. I, I guess I'm going to go ahead and I'm leading off here, and I'm going to go ahead and take off. Nacho Libre it is what it is. I seen I seen when it came out in 2006, and I guess I seen what it was was a silly, goofy humor. At the time, I didn't really have the time or toleration for it, I don't guess. I, I thought I was a little highbrow with the Monty Python. If, if I'm going to get silliness, it's going to be Monty Python <laughs> or Chris Guest. You know, so, you know, Jack Black hadn't, hadn't shown me his his skill at the at the silliness yet. I knew, I knew he was a thing. I knew he was around. But, you know, this movie really is a lot of fun. Uh, it's Nickelodeon production, which really, you know, didn't score it really high on my list at the time. But it really is a lot of fun. You just have it doesn't take itself seriously. And I know Jamie talks about his grading scale. You know, what's the movie trying to be? And and it does it knows it's not a serious movie. You know, but much like Kung Fu Panda, we get some morals and some lessons through here. Not necessarily all the appropriate ones, but we get some morals and lessons. <laughs> you know, uh, the the humor's a little on the crude side. Uh, you know, I don't know uh, what else to say other than, you know, when you when you go for physical comedy in Jack Black, I mean, really, he he does excellent. This movie had been on my radar. I know I'd said for the last couple of years, I've had some friends kind of re-talk about it to me, and they really, really, really love it. And, you know, this is something after watching a little bit of, and Netflix really pulled a switch on us because in the middle of the week, this thing went away. You know, so so I, I get to I get to watch like the first thirty minutes, and then it it disappears 
from Netflix. So I had to go to Amazon and figure out, okay, am I going to rent it or am I going to buy it? And, and honestly, I was invested enough and I was enjoying myself enough that I did go ahead and sink the 10 bucks to purchase it. So I'm going to go ahead and give this thing because it knew what it was trying to be. It, it gave a good message. It had a lot of fun. So I'm going to give it an A, just a middle solid A. I really enjoyed it. I really, really enjoyed it. There's not a lot there, but it's fun. Every movie doesn't have to be life-changing. Uh, not a lot of movies that you say, not a lot there, get an A. Interesting. <laughs> um, you know, the one thing I do love, Dwayne, is you brought up Kung Fu Panda. And I feel like Nacho Libre is like Kung Fu Panda 1.0. All right. For the most part, we have some similar story elements. The orphan boy who fan, you know, who's a huge fan of the luchadores instead of Kung Fu masters. Right. Um, The truth, though, is Panda did the story so much better in animation. Sure. There's parts I laughed at. Um, So it does hits it hits its marks when it needs to. But this is elementary school humor, guys. Uh, it makes sense that this is a Nickelodeon uh, production. Unfortunately, it obviously didn't work out because there was no animated series to back it up. I mean, face it, even Ace Ventura got that. Um, and I know a lot of people like this movie, and I've already got an A, so this is going to be really interesting. Uh, but it, And it does fit into that cult classic category, like many of Jared Hess's off-the-wall comedies, you know, Napoleon Dynamite for one, but this isn't my cup of tea. Um the sad thing is Nacho Libre is even loosely based on a true story. Vrai mm-hmm. Tormenta, the Friar Storm, who is an actual Catholic priest who performed as a luchadore to earn money for an orphanage. Um, but I just didn't get that story. This is a C plus for me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um <laughs> All right. Um, I'm a I'm a I'm a Jared Hess fan. Uh, I enjoy his movies. Um, I, I love Napoleon Dynamite. I love this movie. Um, Masterminds is is a whole different barrel of weird, but I, I love it too. Um, this is a weird but entertaining movie. It's just very entertaining. It's not deep. Uh, it's deeply flawed. It's flawed in ways that his other movies aren't. Um, but it's got Jack Black in it. <laughs> <laughs> Jack Black is entertainment in flesh. Um. I mean, if, if you don't like Napoleon Dynamite, if that's not your jam, you're just not going to like this movie. It, it's the same brand of humor. It's the same kind of storytelling. It's real loose. Um, you know, plot lines, you know, sometimes <laughs> there's plot scenes. There's not plot lines. Um, but, and this is probably, in terms of storytelling, it's probably the weakest of the of the big three of, of his movies. Um but it's got it, but the Jack Blackness of it all. <laughs> it's so entertaining. So yeah, this is this is a very flawed movie. Um, there's some categories of you know what, what makes it for a good movie that it just flat out fails. But it's just so entertaining and it's so out there and it's so strange. Um, I go B plus on it. It's just it's just on pure entertainment level because it is not in a whole lot of ways it's not a good movie, but it's just so entertaining. 
How well, about I got the high grade with an A. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I was thinking about that today, especially, you know, and I had done my grades and stuff, done my notes yesterday uh, late. And I was I was thinking about the things today and I was like, you know, there's not a whole lot there. How can I discuss it? What are the discussion points we want to have for this? And I'm thinking about it. And, and this movie, though, was so refreshing to me because, I mean, for like the last 10, 12 years, you know, it seems like every movie has an agenda. Every movie is like world shattering, world changing, multi universe splitting. You know, you have your heroes and villains. You know, I'm, I'm talking to you, Marvel. Uh, you know, it just everything. You know, you got to destroy 16 square city blocks. And this, it's it just a little story. It happens. It, it, you know, like I said, it's kind of true. Kind of, I was surprised to see how like actual luchadors that were in this thing you know i kind of look like okay how many of these other actors because i know nobody but jack black in this movie you know and you know it's it's just a, a little slice of light-hearted fun and then it's done and then it's done but yeah. uh it's... yeah this is gonna be interesting the next uh the fan of pan section with the yeah. this diversity of grades <laughs> yeah, yeah, with this with this it is and i'm i'm really a hoping uh, we can get in there right now so let's go ahead and uh i tell you that little closet of a kitchen he was cooking in i think he could have used a fan for some of the smells let's go and get our fans So here we go. Because today's fans are especially delicious. Okay. <laughs> well, we, but we know the the one, you know, um, priest needed a fan probably in the restroom. <laughs> <laughs> oh, every All time right. Jack Black's turning around, he's passing gas. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I guess I'm leading off on yeah, fans. Captain C plus gets to go first. Do you have a do you have a fan? <laughs> I'm so excited. Uh, at first, okay, here's the thing. At first, I was going to be all smarmy, and I was going to say, Danny Elfman did the score. That's all I got. Uh, <laughs> but after I st- stepped back, and I tried to really, even though I gave it a C plus, tried to evaluate this movie for what it was. You know, no, I'm, I like Jack Black, but I'm not a huge fan of this performance. But... I think you can really see his true chops as an actor when he works with kids. Uh, There are some great moments between Ignacio and the orphans. And there's something genuine that, like I said, Jack Black just works well with children. You know, in acting, they never say, you know, they say all the time, don't work with animals or kids. Jack Black does a really good job working with kids. And I think you can see that through a lot of different movies that he's done. So even though Nacho Libre is not really high on my list of Jack Black movies, I think the biggest redeeming quality is you do see how well Jack Black works with 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 these kids. And like I said, there's such heart to that. That was a reach. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, Danny Elfman did the score. So. <laughs> Correct. Could have been worse. Um, I'm finished. Uh, I, I'm up next, and I, I like how, um, especially in this movie, um, Jared Hess walks a line between awkward comedy and cringe comedy. 
Um, and I think he walks it really well because there's a lot of times where like, like on the office, especially in the early seasons where we're just laughing at Michael Scott being cringy. And I, I don't know. It makes me feel weird. I don't like, laughing. <laughs> like I, I don't, I still laugh at that stuff, but I feel weird about laughing at that stuff. I don't like myself for laughing at that kind of, that kind of comedy. Whereas here, this is just, it's just kind of awkward comedy. Like Nacho is just awkward about stuff. Uh, he puts himself in awkward situations, how he relates to the world. It's, it's just, it's strange. And they put himself in awkward situations all the time. And for me, that's a fine line. And it's difficult to pull off. And Jared Hess, I think, pulls it off here in ways that he doesn't do. I mean, this is of, of, of his big three movies. In terms of overall quality, this is the weakest of the three. But in terms of, of, of avoiding the cringe comedy, I think this is probably the best of the bunch. Because a lot of times in Masterminds, you're just cringing at the stuff Zach, Zach Galifianakis is doing. Um, and there's, there's some of that in Napoleon Dynamite as well. Whereas here you're just, I mean, Jack Black is endearing. He's likable. He's just an awkward guy in awkward situations. And that, that, that line is tough to, to nail. And he, and he absolutely does it here. Um, yeah, I, I like that about this movie. Um, we can laugh at Nacho without really laughing at Nacho. You know what I mean? Okay. Yeah. You had a little bit of the body shaming, but not as much as Kung Fu Panda. <laughs> That's I don't true. think that's body shaming. I think that's body celebration. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was. Yeah, he was out there loud and proud. There was none. There was none. So sometimes men wear tights or stretchy pants <laughs> <laughs> for enjoyment. <laughs> for enjoyment. Yeah. Well, guys, my fan is sort of a. Sam, Sam alluded to a little bit of, you know, the score by Danny Elfman. I love the music in this movie and how it celebrates the culture. You know, the, the humor, it is what it is. Uh, I, I, I wasn't aware of the uh, Napoleon Dynamite connection there and not seeing Mastermind. I'm not familiar with that. But now that you mention that, Jamie, I can really definitely see a lot of those lines, a lot of those connections. But the way that the, you know, when the movie started out you had you know the the religious man song and and the tempo the structure the voice i'm like this isn't a david bowie song i know and then i looked it up i'm like it's not bowie it's it's this you know this, this hispanic music musician artist and as the movie goes it celebrates a lot of that the, the earnestness the purity the joy that that culture has with you know, they're, they're luchadors with the, the music, the celebration. I, I love uh, Escalito's outfit when he goes to the party, just how colorful. I told my wife, I said, I need, I need those pants. And she said, oh, my, they're Paisley. And she says, oh, my, they're bell bottoms, too. <laughs> and, you know, and I'm like, I love, you know, how, how this movie celebrates that culture and, and that environment and brings it all together. And, yeah, Danny Elfman doing the score. You know, he brings, uh, you know, the, the composer, the classicalness to it, the, the bounciness to it. And uh, he's even a pop musician. I'm not sure you guys know. You know, he, he, he was a musician with Oingo Boingo. So you know, he can bring in the rock and the fun, the joyousness with this. So I, I think it was really all in all a perfect match. And, you know, the, the music, the celebration of the culture really – I think brings this movie to another level. 
All right. Um, okay. so, so one of you did just go with Danny Elfman did the score. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, originally Beck was supposed to be doing the score for this. Really? Yes. That, that would have been wild. Hiss that would have wanted, been very Hiss wanted Beck. And the studio is like, no, we're going to go with Danny Elfman. (laughs) (laughs) That would have been very interesting. That would have been a very interesting choice. Oh, I was having trouble even picturing that. (laughs) Anyway, moving on to our next segment. um, I'm not eating off of anything Nacho cooked on at any point ever in the history of that orphanage. So let's find a pan not from Nacho's kitchen. I don't know, Jamie. Those salads are pretty on point. <laughs> you don't need paying for those. Yeah, you know, those salads are pretty on he point. He assembled those. those. He, didn't, he didn't have to cook. There you go. <laughs> All right, so I'm first up on the pan segment, and this one to me is it's easy, and it's the, the biggest flaw in the entire movie. Um, and of, like I said, of the big three, this is the one I enjoy the most. It's also the one I know is the worst movie of the, of the three big hits movies. It's just a, it's just a collection of skits. Uh, in a way, even more than Napoleon Dynamite, this feels like a, a like a really really long wrestling themed episode of SNL. Um, <laughs> all all of the character uh, outside of Nacho, all of the character stuff is underbaked. I mean, what's 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 Steven's storyline? I mean, what's Encarnacion doing? In what's yeah? What what's her deal? <laughs> I mean, there's I mean there's there's no character. And Napoleon Dynamite, it's a really dumb movie. Everybody's got something going on, though. Yeah. In this movie, it's just Nacho. Um, and, like, jokes got, get left behind. Like, they'll set something up in one scene, never come back to it. Um, Jack Black just, <laughs> he just makes it work. Because the the character stuff, the story, the plot lines, it doesn't work. It, this is all on the the <laughs> soft, doughy shoulders of Nacho Libre. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm up next on the pans, and I agree entirely. That's exactly my note. The story isn't really apparent. The story isn't really defined. It's just a collection of funny incidents, strange things that happen, and not really a lot of them are, you know, super connected. It doesn't, you know, it kind of tells the story of him, you know, coming to terms with being a religious person and a wrestler also. So it kind of comes to terms with him, you know, accepting the kids um, uh, and being able to be a good influence to them and, and be a, a sinful wrestler, you know, as as they put there. But there's really not a lot there aside from him becoming a wrestler, you know, him becoming a luchador. Uh, it's just not a lot. The, the skits, the skits are funny, but yeah, it's it's basically a lot more skittish comedy. Uh, and then even I like, and I, you know, and I like, you know, the lampoon stuff, even, you know, but it's a lot more, you know, of, of a skit, just, just chunks and, and not really a lot of solid thread binding those together. Yeah, Even the ending just comes out of nowhere. Yeah. It's just there. Yeah. I was watching it. I was watching it and I'm like, okay, you know, oh, I gotta, you know, cause like I said, a lot of times I watch movies at work during lunch, my lunch hour. And so I'm watching it and I'm like, oh, I've got to head back to work. And so I checked the time um, as I was pausing to, to close down my, my tablet. And I'm like, Oh, there's like 20 more minutes left. How is this going to wrap up? 
Oh, I love this because we are three for three on this pan. <laughs> um, you know, this is definitely sketch comedy. Uh, basically strung together to form a 92-minute movie. Uh, it just feels so disjointed. And really, sub- sometimes are just strange. You know, I found myself pausing the movie in places going, did I miss something? You know, <laughs> I kept stopping and going, no, I didn't know that. Okay. You know, but it was one of those things. It was just really hard to follow. There wasn't that, those kind of arcs in character that, you know, I, I don't even have to have a huge character arc. You know, I, I don't have to have world changing things. I mean, face it. I mean, I like Flash Gordon. But, you know, it's just one of those things that that there it was just sketch comedy. And that that was the biggest thing for me, you know, and it just didn't flow very well. It did feel disjointed. Yeah, 100 percent. It's the biggest flaw in the movie. So a 92 minute movie, that's what an hour and a half. So this really essentially was an episode of Saturday Night Live without the commercials or are the orphans the commercials? <laughs> no, the race like matches are the commercials. There you go. Okay, guys. Well, let's move on. Just like Nacho and Escalito was looking for their prize at the end, the belt, the championship. Let's go give this thing the awards. Graphically Novel. Three brothers tackle a different graphic novel each week. Listen as the brothers Fugit discuss classic and not-so-classic graphic novels. Subscribe now on your podcast feed of choice. Graphically Novel. Three brothers who like each other but love comics. I'm up with Best Performance. Um, Of all the actors I know in this movie... uh, and what this movie was really focused on. I mean, there's really only one right answer, Jack Black. And he really uh, was a master of the physicality. You know, the way he would, he would skip as he would run, you know, or, you know, he's trying to, you know, slam and duck the ball into the, you know, the net set up for the kids. <laughs> trying try to impress um, the, the nun there. But uh, yeah, he was just a master of the physical comedy in this thing. And I know we talked about body shaming in Kung Fu Panda and there's a couple fat jokes in in this thing, but he really did celebrate his physicality and his body and really makes you understand, you know, you don't have to be perfect to be able to be aware and a master of your environment and your body. So I, I think he really did a great performance and especially you know, the, the, the intense stares. <laughs> <laughs> it was just so much fun. He was so ridiculous. Uh, now, here, now here, here's why my, my fan was such a reach and so hard for me to explain because there's only one right answer and we already had an award for it. <laughs> Jack Black's performance in this movie is the fan. Um, it's I, I couldn't say it twice, so I had to make up something for the fan section. Um, I, he's so good in this movie. This the, the plot doesn't work. The character arc is ridiculous. I mean, th- they could have had it set up at the beginning, right? Like he's he's upset what he's having to feed the orphans, so he starts wrestling to make money for the orphans. That that's just incidental. By the end, it's like, oh, I can do that. That's not why he's doing it at all, you know. But he's just he's such a, a charming, naive good-hearted guy you know and as as weird and awkward as he is you just you like the guy and um and jack black just sells it and this isn't quite the jack black character that he usually plays it's a it's a it's a different kind of character in a lot of ways but 
it just works. In this movie, the, the plot line is nonsense. There's no character arcs. Scenes don't carry over very well. But he just he's such a such a, a good dude and such a likable character that he just he carries the movie and he makes it work for me. And so he absolutely it's Jack Black is the best performance here. Hmm. Interesting. Guys, I had to swerve uh, as far as performance. I know you're shocked, right? Um, I'm going to give my performance award to Ana de la Reguera, Sister Incarnacion. No, she doesn't have a huge character arc, but she was really a grounding force amidst all the zaniness in the rest of this movie. Uh, there, I just felt something very genuine in her portrayal. And, you know, I, I thought that that worked well against, you know, Ignacio, you know, and just the crazy off the wall, you know, bouncing around that he does. I just thought, you know, this actress really brought that. Um, as I was looking to this, I also thought it was cool that she was both in John Favreau's Cowboys and Aliens and Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead. So she was in both of those. So she definitely has some range to her. So thought that was cool. Interesting. Okay. Yes. All right. Um, well, you're wrong. I mean, it's not a terrible answer, <laughs> but you're wrong. And I and I suspect uh, it's for certain rules. Um, but we'll see in we'll a see. moment. Uh, so Dwayne, what was your best scene? What was your best uh, sketch? My best sketch. Um, I love the, the the match with uh, Satan's caveman. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> we are all that on the same page. Apparently, is the most absurd, <laughs> hilarious little thing. You got these little midget guys dressed up like half monkey, whatevers, and I mean. These guys must be legit, you know, wrestling gymnasts because they're doing these aerial moves, these leg locks and flips, and just the physicality of them was hilarious. So the the match with the Satan's caveman. Yeah, that that honestly, that probably was where I was laughing the most. <laughs> um just when they are biting and pulling out Steven's hair. I just, I can't, and the way he's screaming, I cannot help but cackle. Um, I mean, how much of, of his hair got pulled out this movie? He has, bless it, yeah, I know. Um, and of course, as I'm watching this, I keep going back to Elf. Uh, you know, I kept getting echoes of Elf also with that type of beating being thrown down. They were angry little Satan's like, <laughs> They were angry little luchadors. <laughs> uh, well, I, I agree completely. That's that is the funniest scene in the movie, and it's the it's the right answer. But since we've already, I'm going to highlight my my runner up. I thought Nacho's entire date with Incarnacion <laughs> was very entertaining. <laughs> yeah, his attempts to impress her were something else. Were yeah, were something else. <laughs> Are his recreation clothes. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, between that and just the awkwardness of them eating toast. <laughs> so, 
I don't know. I love. Uh, I really enjoyed uh, Stephen's encounter with uh, the young lady at the party. <laughs> that was a little bit of awkward. <laughs> yeah, it kind of reminds you of a relationship from Napoleon Dynamite as well. Mm-hmm. I think Jared Hiss may be telling us something about himself. <laughs> <laughs> right. All to the backdrop of Nacho singing, I am singing at this party. <laughs> and I just, I, I, I love the luchadors of this movie, just leaving their masks. Just, even when they put on other clothes, the masks are always on. Must always had the identity. I'm wondering about the tan lines. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just a little thing that always cracks me up. Um, so I'm up on, uh, first up on best character. I want to go with Steven. Um, the right answer is, of course, Nacho Libre. But we do the Sammy rules of divide and conquer here. Um, I like Steven. He's got no character arc. He's got no backstory. There's no reason he has anything he's doing in this movie. There's no explanation of why he and Nacho were friends. But he's just very entertaining. And I love the way he tries to <laughs> juxtapose Nacho's love of religion but complete misunderstanding of it and steve's love of science is complete misunderstanding of it i just love the way those two play off each other yeah you know the way they introduce him though it's, it's like backstreet Mowgli. you know <laughs> <laughs> it's the weirdest thing yeah yeah I, I, it doesn't make any sense it doesn't really quite work you just like steven you know yeah he's he's very interesting i want to highlight one of the orphans though I love Chancho, but yeah, he is, he, you know, you see him discovering Nacho in the wrestling suit. You see him turning the TV to the Luchador channel. We're not allowed to watch that. Shut up. You know, <laughs> and, and I love that every time the camera hits him and I don't know, I would love to know if this was direction or if this was just something he did out of nervousness or what, but. Every time the camera is on him, and it's like the director yells, action, he's scratching something. He's <laughs> digging his armpit, he's scratching the back of his leg, you know, his neck. He's just, and I don't know if he's self-conscious or just, you know, it's just a little tick. But I, I love that kid. I, I love that kid and his uh, desire to, you know, even, even as he's bidding up his his uh, fellow orphans, uh, trying trying to wrestle uh, to, to emulate Nacho there. Uh, I, I just love his little character. It's so, so beautiful. My my favorite Tancho moment is when they're watching it on the TV and like they sort of pull off Nacho's mask and he jumps up and blocks and jumps it in front, to protect yeah, Nacho. It. I love yeah. that. Yeah. 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 He's well, a great look. If you guys remember in my, my fan, I was talking about the, the interplay between Jack Black and kids and I'm, I have to echo Dwayne. Chancho is, you know, my favorite character in this really. Uh, Darius Rose really brings the, this just little guy to life. I mean, and, and there you can see that connection. He looks up to Ignacio as his as a hero, just as Ignacio has looked to the luchadors, you know, as heroes. So I just thought that was really cool. There's some beautiful moments between them. He doesn't say a lot, but his just his acting and the nonverbal side of it works so well. You know, he's just an endearing character, honestly. Yeah. I, I like, too, when he goes, um, when everybody's criticizing Nacho's cooking. And I, I know he's Ignacio. He's always Nacho to me. Um, but And Tancho, Tancho goes to him and says, like, but I like your cooking. I was uh-huh. like, oh. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's just a yep. kid with a big heart, you know, wanting to do what's yep. right. 
Yep, he really is. He really is. <clears throat> well, as as much of this movie is a collection of sketches, there's lots of little quotes and things to pull from. So I'm leading off here with our best quote. And this highlights the misunderstanding of science and religion and different things. But <clears throat> Stephen Esqueleto says, Dear Lord, please bless Nacho with nutrients and strength. <laughs> Do you even know what either of these things really mean? <laughs> Dear Lord. All right, well, I'm, I'm going to jump in and go with Nacho's misunderstanding of religion. <laughs> so he's, he's explaining to Encar- Encarnacion about how he doesn't fit in, how the other brothers don't respect him. And he says, they think I do not know a buttload of crap about the gospel, but I do. <laughs> Doesn't he also say the gospel and stuff? Is that, I mean, because I know there's quite a few places in here where it says in stuff. <laughs> I, think, I think you're probably right. I probably got it down wrong. And every time he says and stuff, his accent drops completely. Stuff. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they think I don't know a boatload of crap about the gospel. That makes me laugh every time. Oh. Um, <laughs> so, so I love this through line with, with our quotes. You guys went from Stephen to nacho and you were talking about how he talks about the you know the other brothers don't don't believe in him i went with nacho's primary antagonist guillermo as nacho is explaining to him why there are no chips with whatever those refried beans possibly were (laughs) just when guillermo just looks at him flat out and says did you not tell them they were the lord's chips (laughs) (laughs) that was another one that i just had to cackle i I like his other quote about nachos cooking (laughs) since easters (laughs) yes i know (laughs) if all they're eating refried beans no wonder so All right, fellas. Well, it is time to do our thematic draft of the week. And since we're doing a (laughs) ostensibly wrestling movie, um, we're doing our draft of the top wrestlers slash actors. And so these are our our slashies, uh, to borrow a Zoolander term. Um, And I think if we're going off of last week's rules, if I remember correctly, whoever picks the episode goes first, right? So it's your code, James. Okay, um, this is probably, this is almost certainly not the right answer, but I have to pick it because I'm not getting sniped again. We're not having to the last dragon scenario here. <laughs> I'm going Andre the Giant from The Princess Bride. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. Let me mark I'll that from my list. <laughs> <laughs> so you're, go- you're going for the tallest wrestler at the top of the draft right yes he's most certainly not one of satan's cavemen (laughs) (laughs) all right so i'll go next gentlemen and only because after i've talked about my love of charlton and blue beetle and all this stuff 
I had to go with John Cena, who has just brought Peacemaker to life in the Suicide Squad. And once again, <laughs> I was a happy dude. So <laughs> I told my wife. You're going to pick John Cena because he was in a DC movie. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Dwayne. I'm going to the 80s with an 80s movie and an 80s wrestler. The great Rowdy Roddy Popper from John Carpenter's (laughs) They Live. Scratch that off my list. That's on mine, too. (laughs) (laughs) And now he's all out of bubblegum. All right, guys. Well, the, the the real number one pick is still on the board. So I'm going to go with Dwayne The Rock Johnson, who's been in all the things and is charming in all the things. And may show up again in an episode in short order. Yeah, he's he's yeah. all over the place. Uh, the Rock is truly, truly. Sam. All right. So draft pick number two, Randy the Macho Man Savage. Or... Better known as Bonesaw. Bonesaw's Sam ready. <laughs> from Sam Raimi's Spider-Man. Um, right, it's so funny that, that a wrestler gets to create another wrestler. <laughs> <laughs> that has become so iconic. <laughs> well, I'm going back to the 80s again. With an action hero, well, I don't know how much of a hero you could be. He was also the, not the governor, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Jesse the Body Ventura from Predator, not and me. a lot of other things. But yeah, Jesse Ventura. How dare you, sir? That was my. I thought I could save you. Any, uh, any wrestler who's got the body. I mean, come on, right? I mean, the body venture. He was politics. Re- now, did you all ever see his episodes on the X-Files? No, I didn't know he was no. on the X-Files. They, I, I think it was just one. He plays like a, a, like a secretive man in black from the government who would just show up at like random times, say cryptic things to Mulder and Scully, and then disappear. It was really good. <laughs> <laughs> and, and his delivery and voice... That that would be very yeah, I can see that. <laughs> All right. righty, Jamie. Uh, I have to go Dave Bautista. Drax himself. And he has shown a lot of actual acting chops. I mean he's been in some really good stuff. Um yeah, so Dave Bautista. Yeah. He doesn't even need the body paint to be good. He's good in, uh, in virtually everything. Yeah. Uh, even I, I, even I, Army of the Dead. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Sorry, Sammy. I know. It's not scr- hurts, don't it? I'm scrambling. <laughs> <laughs> I'm scrambling. Uh, okay. So, gentlemen, we, we've pulled everybody off the board that I could come up to think of for a moment. So, there's, a, there's an obvious one that I figured one of you two would pick, and I can't believe it hasn't come up yet. No. Um, I guess for my third, and this is really going to be a completely, like, huge swerve type of thing. I'm going to be quite honest. Um, I want to use Hulk Hogan, but the only acting you think he's really ever done was the reality show. No, he was in a movie. He was in a movie. Oh, was he? Okay. He, was in a, he, he was Thunder Lips in Rocky three. 
Oh, that's right. That's right. Okay. So I don't feel so bad about that pick then. Because yeah, I was that... going to do, do a uh, – but Chris Hemsworth is going to play him in a movie. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. That that was the moment I realized how small Spencer <laughs> Stallone really was when he was yeah. standing near Hulk Hogan. All right. So I don't feel so, as bad about that pick then because I thought I was going to have to really swerve after you guys pulled – you know, Jesse Ventura and Roddy Popper and Dave Bautista. So it was like you pulled by three, four, five. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> well, he was also, you know, he was Hulk Hogan in Gremlins 2. Uh, Ship Ramsey in Suburban Commando in 1991. No Holds Barred. Rip. Uh, 1989. Okay. Yeah, like I said, don't yeah. feel so bad now. He was in a lot of nonsense, but he was Thunderlips in Rocky Three. That's the one that really counts. That's the one that matters. That's the one that matters. That's the one that matters. Well, guys, I'm going to wrap this up with a female of the, I don't know if she's wrestling or MMA. I know she's one of these physical sports, but she was um, Cara Dune in The Mandalorian. Gina Carano. It's going to be my third pick. That's the wrong one. You should have said Sasha Banks from The Mandalorian. She's Sasha an actual Banks. wrestler. She is an yeah. actual wrestler, isn't she? Yeah. Yeah. She is. Yeah. Okay. Well, two, two chicks from The Mandalorian. <laughs> <laughs> and I want to I give just a quick shout out to the big show. He played Captain Insano in The Waterboy. Had a very memorable <laughs> moment. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> I totally forgot about that. <laughs> High quality H2O. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, that's what my mama says. Well, even though that was some high quality H2O, there is an actor that does some high quality action and acting all around. And I don't know how Keanu Reeves is going to connect to Nacho Libre, but I'm sure Jamie's got it figured out. I'm sure Jamie's going to pull something out of the ether. With his amazing IMDb and Google Foo skills. So how does the Nacho Luchador connect to Keanu? Okay, here we go. <laughs> so I feel like I built it up a little bit too much for you there, buddy. Uh, well, <laughs> here, here we go. Lots of actors think they're good musicians. Bruce Willis thinks he can sing. Eddie Murphy made a couple of albums in the 80s. Donald Glover has actually done quite well as the childish Gambino. David Hasselhoff is a whole thing in Germany. And let us never forget William Shatner's music career. <laughs> as such. I would also recommend hitting up YouTube and watching Leonard Nimoy sing a song about Bilbo Baggins. Yes! <laughs> well, Jack Black, Nacho Libre himself, is quite famous for his musical abilities, playing and starring in many things involving Tenacious D. I was also blown away once when I saw him perform Immigrant Song with the Foo Fighters. Okay, here we go, guys. <laughs> 2009, <laughs> Jack Black wrote a song that appeared on the video game Guitar Hero Van Halen called Master Exploder. In 1989, Bill and Ted were desperate to get Eddie Van Halen to join Wild Stallions. Ted Theodore Logan was played by Keanu Reeves. Jack Black, in a video game that Keanu didn't actually appear on, and Eddie Van Halen are this week's highly tangential Keanu connection. Kaboom. <laughs> <gasps> <Go> <laughs> nice. Sorry, yes. That's the best I could do. 
Somehow I feel I, like I need to accentuate the kaboom at the end of that. I tip my hat to you, sir, for that <laughs> Jamie, one. Sorry. Jamie landed it, just like the <laughs> kaboom. <laughs> that was the Keanu connection. I love it. I love it. Love it. <laughs> Yeah, they, you built that up way too much for that. <laughs> <laughs> well, we we always have to to figure out how Keanu connects to uh, to our uh, our endeavors here on our quests. But uh, so, some, of the, I hope some of the Keanu enjoyed. connections are strong like Ramsey's. Some of them are strong like Stephen. <laughs> See, they need their nutrients. <laughs> Eagle it's eggs. Remember, eagle eggs. Eagle eggs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. Goodness. Well, guys, I hope you've enjoyed uh, this quest of Nacho Libre as much as we have enjoyed taking it. Uh, it's a lot of hearted romp, and uh, we've had a blast discussing it and picking it apart on this episode. Uh, next week, Sammy, we have one of your picks as we continue Jack Black Month. Yes, and I love, do you guys notice that we keep going back in time with Jack Black's filmography? We went from 2008 to 2006. Next week, we're going to 2003, and we're going to be looking at School of Rock. And despite how I've felt about Nacho Libre, Jack Black does a great job when he acts as kids. So School of Rock is that perfect mix zany jack as dewey finn that love of music and band kids so i mean come on this movie was even developed into a broadway play that had compositions by the great andrew lloyd Webber. so maybe i'm building this one up a little bit more guys uh that, that i need to but i haven't watched it in a while so i'm interested to see how how school of rock will hold up to some uh, nerdy scrutiny well, you know, as even though it was adapted into a play, it, School of Rock is also now a thing. I don't know if you guys know, but yes. there are scholarships and there are musicians, uh, you know, legitimate recording artists who go and teach kids how to rock out on mm -hmm. you know the instruments of their choice, and they have like a battle of the bands at the end of of that term. So tons of fun, and I love that that that's an actual thing that's got started. And yep. School of Rock is available on Netflix and Paramount Plus with the subscriptions for no charge. Hopefully Netflix doesn't drop in the middle of the month like they did Nacho Libre. Uh, but if you if you must, uh, you can rent it on Prime, Vudu, Roku, or Redbox streaming services for two ninety nine. Apple TV and Flix Fling. I don't know. That's what came up on my Roku search. Never heard of them before. <laughs> uh, but Apple TV and <laughs> Flix Fling. Real. Want the extra dollar for three ninety nine? So uh, I guess you have to get the uh, the i device that premium charge there. But uh, yeah, School of Rock is streaming uh, quite a few places, so there's some options for you there. Well, guys, as we prepare for School of Rock, Jamie, we're gonna three bald dudes are gonna prepare for the bitter jealousy of staring at Jack Black's luscious mane as we keep it nerdy. <laughs> <laughs>